you know, you say, well, yeah, this happens all the time. And then they're like, but it's so awful. And you don't, you don't, it's like, yeah, we've been saying it's awful for so long, but people just don't listen. Mm. And I've just got used to people not listening. It gets better because it has to get better. We're all made of human. Hello, this is Sophie Hagen and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast. If this is the first time you're listening, uh, this is going to be a conversation between me and comedian Felicity Watt and we will be talking about life stuff. And that is basically what this whole podcast is. It's a... Uh, just two people talking about life and then uh, it was meant to be me trying to figure out if, um, you know, I wanted to find out how to do life and then it turned out that no one has any idea and <laughs> here we are. So um, that's what the uh, the podcast is. This is, I think this is a special episode because this will be the last episode before Christmas and I know not everyone celebrates Christmas and and that's why, I, 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 but I kind of want to talk to those of you who are struggling a little bit. Um, not just because I'm struggling too. I kind of am. I'm in intense therapy, and uh, I've had to cancel the live recording of the Mopart on uh, Sunday, and that was a tough decision because you people are so lovely and so nice, and I was looking forward to seeing you. But these live episodes are. I mean, they're really tough. And I, I don't think I really understood how tough they were. But because one thing is being vulnerable in front of another person that you're kind of semi interviewing, semi just chatting to. But another thing is doing it in front of a room full of people, regardless of how nice those people are. So when you're already a bit under pressure, and everything's already a bit difficult. And also the guests uh, were some of my close friends. So it would have been way more intense than usual. So Anyways, I, I feel bad about cancelling, but I also know that it was the right choice. And I have to stand by that. I have to stand by, you. Ha like, you have to do what you need to do to uh, self-preserve. Can you use it like that? Self-preservation, self-care, incredibly important. So, um, I, I know that so many people are struggling around Christmas because it's all, you know... Family and uh, family, family is the worst. It can just really hit you. And please, please be here. Like, please, let's make it through December. Let's all try and make it through December. December fucking sucks. I mean, holy shit. I don't think I've had a December where, like, t a ton of my friends have, haven't felt, like, bad about what they're going to do. I have friends who've been who are not allowed to come home for Christmas. I have friends whose uh, mothers are sending them abuse. I have, I mean, it's really, oh, it's so tough. Even if you're fine with your family, you might still have to spend a few days with them. And I don't know how much you love your family, but even spending a few days with them is, is tough for even the best of families. So please hang in there. Like this is a tough time, but so many people are struggling and we'll all make it through. Um, and there are websites if if you need help. There are people out there helping 24 hours uh, a day, ready by phones and, and willing to chat and listen. So do reach out. Please reach out when you if you need it. And I know that's so dark and it's not going to be like a funny, funny, ha-ha, Merry Christmas. It's not fun. It's I just know that some people are struggling and um, we'll be fine. Like, we will be fine. Time is ridiculously 
an odd thing because the present feels like the longest time in the world, but the year has gone by quickly and you've survived worse things. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to say. Let's all let's all get through this and then it'll be January and January is cold and grey and awful, but it's not Christmas. So fuck Christmas is what I want to say. Uh, and if you have a nice family and if you love Christmas, great. I mean, do enjoy it. A Merry Christmas and all of that, but... Oh my god, it's hard, isn't it? It's 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 a hard month in which to human. I think is what I want to say. Um, so thank you to, to those of you who came to the live episodes. This is another live episode with Felicity Ward. Uh, I'm going to kind of skip all the usual, I'm on tour, buy the t-shirts, yada, 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 like you. If you like what I do, you know where to find me, uh, my website, sovegan.com, <laughs> uh, please. And um, But I do want to do the act of disobedience because I have a good one here and it. I hope it'll cheer you up. So... Uh, This is an act of disobedience uh, from Anna. I don't know if this qualifies, but on Thursday, my boyfriend of five years admitted that he'd cheated on me with his best friend. To spare you the details, I kicked him out. But on Saturday, I got drunk and asked him to come home because I'm weak. He mentioned that he was on the way back from a comedy gig. I got really angry and decided to smash his new gaming console. I don't know the name. Who gives a shit? It barely cracked. Like I said, I'm weak. And I remember that it was 1am, so I set my mind on drowning it. <laughs> uh, at first, I tried to put it in the toilet, but it wouldn't fit. And I thought that constant flushing wouldn't do the job. Also, it would be a waste of my time. Uh, so I moved it into the bathroom sink and covered it with water. The plug was not very tight and water leaked out very quickly. But I'm resourceful and very stubborn. The console landed in the kitchen sink together with three other consoles that I managed to fit in there and his phone shortly after. I feel bad about this now because they're all in good condition and I probably should have given them to a charity shop or an organization that supports kids and teens in need. I mean, they definitely deserve new nice things, but my deed feels like such a waste now. It felt great at the time. I mean, I don't think it's a waste. I really don't think it. I mean, oh, I know what you mean, of course. But there's, it's very easy to say shit, isn't it? It's very easy to say I should have done, I should be. Uh, but if you're if you're drunk at 1am and your boyfriend's a cunt, like, how can you not drown three <laughs> brand new gaming consoles? I mean... That cheered me up so much. And Anna left a very sweet message afterwards, uh, inviting me to go see a musical with her, and which I totally would have done if uh, I hadn't been touring on that date. So you can uh, I love you, Anna. I love you. I love that message. Um, over Christmas, there's a lot of uh, possibilities of, to do these um, acts of disobedience, of course, because you will maybe have to spend time with family members who don't disagree or who don't agree with your politics. And that might be a time to say, or oh, just to say, listen, Uncle... Fuck face, <laughs> or his name. Don't comment on my weight. Don't comment on what I eat. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to act. Maybe that's a, a tiny disobedience you can do. Uh, however, you get through the Christmas, however, you get through your life, do let me know when you do these acts of disobedience. Go to mopod.com, M O H P O D, or madeofhumanpodcast.com and submit your act of disobedience. Please do that. Please. And please don't tweet or uh, message me because I, I, it'll, it all goes into this nice document and that's why I take the act of disobedience in. So I'll take them from. So, <laughs> so that's what you can do. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, that's probably lowest more I should say about whatever donations and stuff. Uh, instead of begging for more donations, uh, which I will at the end, don't worry. I just want to say thank you to all of you who have donated. And I don't just mean through Patreon. I know Patreon did a weird thing with the, 
uh, the fees and stuff, but that should be all fixed now. So if you, if you, yeah, it was something they would add some fees, but they've taken that away now. But thank you for sticking through that, even though when we thought they were going to do it. But also just thank you for sending me individual little donations here and there. It's, it means the world. And that's how I kind of feel that we will get through this. I mean, I met, did you know there was a Mopat dog, the Mo dog? which is a listener called, called Rachel. She has this incredibly amazing dog. It's the cutest. Go see it on my Instagram. It was wearing the Made of Human podcast t-shirt at uh, my gig in Cambridge, and I cuddled the dog, and we have a dog. This podcast has a dog now, so let's all get through December. And uh, <laughs> so this is... Uh, I'll let you listen to the episode now. I probably forgot something very important, but I think we'll be fine without that. Let's just have. Let's just get through this December, and we'll be fine. Okay, can you all promise me that? I really want you to. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, please do enjoy uh, this episode with the incredible Felicity Ward. Hey, Made of Human podcast listener that lives in Ireland and will be around Dublin January 13th. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm Alison Spittle. Uh, I'm a former podcast guest on Made of Human. The episode is called I Licked a Poster of Aaron Carter. Me and Sophie Hagen are going to be doing a gig in Vicker Street, January 13th. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster. It's a perfect Christmas present if you want to confuse someone if they don't know me. But um, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's a gig advert. Please come to my gig. That's all I can say to convince you. I'm, I'm not going to beg you. Okay? Not gonna beg. Bye! Welcome. Hello. Welcome to a live, uh, the second of a live Mopad episode. Mm, it's very exciting. <laughs> You've got a bunch of people staring at me on the side, also known <laughs> as an audience. <laughs> These are fucking amazing. I've gotten like cakes and gifts and stuff from Oh, them. right. I didn't know what you were talking about then. I thought you were about to show me something because you said, <laughs> These are fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's good? <laughs> and I'm pointing at the audience. These. Just, I'm quite, I'm quite pleased with them. Yeah, I like gifts. I don't, I don't see any waiting for me, but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Won't take it personally. I mean, you do look like you take it kind of personally. I am though. absolutely going to take furious. it personally. Yeah, I'm going to bury that and like and bring out that old wound when I'm feeling sad, so I can tap into it. <laughs> no um, one else stores their emotions in a box for a sad day. All right. <laughs> so uh, you're a returnee as well. I am a returnee. How many have you had altogether? What, returnees. Yeah. Four, I think. Oh, I feel there's only Desiree Birch was there twice and. Josie Long was there twice. It's not that many. I feel like the last time when I did it, I feel like I had another two hours in me. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to... What a lucky coincidence that I, we... Well, I, was, I felt like really deep in it when you're like, we've got to wrap up. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, just getting, getting the good stuff. <laughs> well, that's that where we... Do you remember where we left off? Do you remember, was there like a, do you remember was there a topic where you're like, got to say more on that? No, I just I just feel it in my guts when I'm at a, at the right and I have my irritable bowel syndrome, but that's unrelated. Um, I feel it like oh, I'm such a okay. This is something I am a bit. I'm not hippie because I have a lot of plastic in my house, but um, I am a spirit. I'm one. Of, <laughs> I'm spiritual, not religious. I'm one of those people, and so I have this. This is this is my. I don't even know if we talked about this, but when um, 
I have it like, you know, when you do a show, mm-hmm. I feel like every show, like hour long show has, there's like an invisible structure of a perfect show in every room on every night. And it's about me going in and trying to find that. And you know, when sometimes mm-hmm. you feel like something, you know, when magic is happening in the room, you're like, I don't know how to keep this going or, but you just sort of go yeah. with it. So I think that every night there's the potential and every gig has the potential and uh, to have that and you if if I'm having a bad night it means that I'm wildly overcompensating trying to get back on the tracks mm. it means I'm going very far right and then too very far left um so I find that with conversations too that I feel like when we're both at a spot where I don't know when something is unlocked and you forget the people around you no, not that's not personal um <laughs> I mean, like you forget the world around you, and you mm. both like um, click into, I don't know, a perfect conversation or a conversation that's coming from a. Ooh, I was going to say a high consciousness, and then I went, "What a cunt!" <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, can I tell you about the worst show? I had a show recently that was so bad that I and I, I've been doing stand up for seven and a half years now. Mm. I've never ever considered quitting. Like it was just yeah. my life. Then I had that show, yeah. and I was like, "No." Just never want to do. Just this is it. Yep. And it obviously it's been was... lovely. This is a terrible way to finish. But <laughs> yeah. thanks everyone that came yeah. up. I'm done. I'm just a, it's in Maidenhead offs. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> which is uh, I, you I, know who the electorate is there. Uh, yeah, they made me very aware of that's, that. Yeah. But with a the weird like PM. sense of pride. No, uh, they weren't. They were uh, Lord Buckethead. Just... That's his seat. It was so like I was halfway through this show. I was, I didn't get the reference. Oh, so um, during Buckethead. the election, there's a guy called Lord Buckethead. What? And oh, is that the one with the Buckethead? Actual- yeah. <laughs> he ran at Maid- Maidenhead. Was that where Al Murray ran as well, or something? Um, I, I feel don't like know. I, have, I feel like in my head right now, I have a picture of Al Murray next to the guy with a bucket over his head. But that could be like he's a been doing sexy it for years dream or something. Like that. <laughs> that is a sexy dream. <laughs> Um, uh, it's not. Uh, yeah, so Lord Buckethead ran in the general election. He's got some good policies, I'm not going to lie. I think he wants I mean, to shoot Katie Hopkins into deep space. That's one of his policies. Right, I'm listening. I could get on board with yeah, that. Yeah, I think I'm fine. I had one of those shows that you were talking about last year. I did my first tour and I just was having the greatest time ever. I loved mm. it so much. And then turned up at a place I will not name them because they're a beautiful independent little theater and they were just doing their best but there were so many issues and then we started 10 minutes late mm. and uh, he said oh just before we went up he said it was a hundred seater and uh, oh, I'm narrowing it down as we go on and uh, he said oh I'm sorry about the numbers and I went 50 I said 50 is fine and it had been 50 for three or four weeks and he went no no it's just below 20 and I went what why have the sales report and then they came in and just like dispersed evenly uh. over the hundred seats, so there wasn't it for for it, we think about this stuff. Performers think about where the audience sits mm. because something that you might not know if you're an audience member. If you all sit together, mm. if you hear the person next to you laugh, you will feel naturally less self conscious about making a mm. noise out of your own face. Mm. But when you're <laughs> spread out over a hundred seats and the closest person is you know seven ten seats away from you the chances of you also laughing are very low (laughs) and that I cried in the interval Mm. and then the um the stage manager came up and he's like ready for the second half I'm like just need a few more minutes actually and he's like yep got it okay (laughs) I'm British and this is very uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and then went out with the second half and just you know 
played it like I was killing it, and actually I was just dying inside. There's a slight difference. Well, I was I was beg- like halfway through this show. I was begging to. I, I hoped that I would die, as like in comedy yeah. terms. Like I was, ho- I was like, if they could just be quiet, I would love that. I what would, was they would. So like I came out the first sentence I said because I, I always just go out and I ramble at the beginning just like blah, blah, and then I go right here's the show mm. and I went out and I just said like oh today we we tried to go and get some Eton mess and then I said oh try to get and then like three sections of the audience started going ha 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 like really like almost like a parody of laughter mm. and I was like oh that's weird because that wasn't funny and I was like this could either go really well mm. or it could be the worst and it was the worst I was. I was like, oh, well, it's nice to be here in Maidenhead. And they just go, whoa, Maidenhead, whoa. And I was like, mm, no. And, <laughs> and I had to be like, maybe, please don't interrupt. Like, it's a show I've been working on. I've, like, written a show. Like, it's like, like at this certain, like, beat you have to, you know. And I was trying to make, like, jokes about, like, oh, I've, you know, I've been raised in a comedy club. You know, I'm, if someone shouts out, I'm going to have to be a bit harsh on you. But, like, they did not give a fuck. And they were just, like, making so much noise. Like, every time I spoke, there would just be, like, a wall of noise. And I was like, I'm... In the light, I have a microphone. I have, like, I'm pretty sure my name was on the ticket. (laughs) But yet, it's like, they're the censor. Everyone was just, like, looking around at these people who were making all these. And it was worse than dying on stage. I would have wanted them to be quiet. And I didn't didn't cry that night. But I cried the next night before my show in Newcastle. Like, I was, like, wailing just... Mm -hmm. And like I had to have my friend who was coming to see the show, fortunate Justine, which people know if they know the podcast, she's everywhere. She helps me with a lot of stuff. She rubs your back. Oh, she came. She was behaving like my manager. She was like, "Right, we need water on the table. We need this. We need this." And I was just like, "I can't do the show." <laughs> Thanks, Justine. I really appreciate it. It's so funny. I had to. I spent an hour in therapy just talking about that one show. Yeah. I was like, we need to talk about Maidenhead. They take a while to get out of your system, <laughs> don't they? Now I don't know about you, but I feel I don't love talking about comedy. I reckon we should talk. This this is what I reckon. Yeah. I reckon that we got smarter things to talk about. I reckon you got cooler things to talk about. I don't mind talking about comedy, but I just imagine <laughs> that would be very boring to listen to. Well, I want people not... from Maidenhead to hear that. Well, and I mean, and feel and feel really bad about themselves. Hopefully, they do now. Hopefully, that is embedded. I re- okay. What are you? What? Where are you at at the moment? Like in your life? Because it's what was a year more than a year ago you did the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Edinburgh 2016. Yeah, so what? where are you, like oh. right now, what's happening in your head, what's happening in your life, where are you, what are your concerns, you have whatever. Mate, I have had a very big year. Go on. Um, you got married? I did get married. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Uh, it was uh, so radical. I highly recommend it if anyone's thinking about doing it. Very, very good <laughs> stuff. Um, uh Personally, I had uh, some. I had a lot of very difficult things happening. Um, some of which I don't think I'll talk about here because they don't just involve me. Um, but yeah, I had I had a lot of really really hard things, and then it just kept coming from every angle. It was like personal and professional and happiness, and everything bar my health was really copping it for like the first nine months. And do you ever feel like you just got to hold on every day? We just like, I don't know, you just got to bend your knees and like get ready for the next wave so you can eat that shit as well. Mm. It felt like that for nine months and I just didn't know how long it was going to be one more day. And then and then it all turned around, like I got married and then that was just, it felt like there was a clean slate, like everything 
was everything cleaned out. Everything was like, okay, you've ha- you've had enough pain for one year. And then my fella and I went on honeymoon. Then we came back, and two days later, we moved into our own place. And we've been living with his parents um, for a year, and they are fantastic. Mm. Let me say, it's as good as it could have been living with your fiance's parents <laughs> when you are thirty-seven. And um, so uh, we moved into our own place and then all of this incredible work stuff has happened and, yeah, everything just sort of got better. So it's been a real, like, pendulum of a year, if that makes sense. So all the pain, was that stuff happening to you, like stuff happening in your life or was it like from inside, was it like psychological stuff that was like attacking you? It was mostly external um, and the internal stuff was just the of trying to. F- I'm, I'm uh, horrific that I'm, um, I'm one of those everything happened for a reason people. No, I'm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, uh, and so I, w- I'm when something bad happens or something that I perceive to be bad, I'm like, okay, what's the lesson here? And I'll, I'm not mm. like perfect. I don't do that every time something bad happens. Sometimes I'm like, fuck you, that shit, I hate it, I don't want to do this anymore. And there've been plenty of those days this year, but um, uh, I did. I didn't know why it kept getting harder, and I still don't know why it kept getting harder. I can only assume that it took as long as it did so that the end of the year feels as good as it does now. How are you? <laughs> I got two new diagnoses. Oh, did you? Yeah. Mate, high five. Are you, I'm sure you've talked about them. Can you tell me? Well, I made like a flippin' remark in the in the previous episode and I feel like that may have been too flippant. Mm. I got, Turns like, out I'm a psychopath. I mean, <laughs> well, that was... You kill one bitch, you know? <laughs> it's just more relevant than you think. <laughs> I got uh, I got OCD now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fun, isn't it? I had a full-on breakdown with a there was a couch situation where a couch situation. <laughs> a couch, where in the middle of the night, I decided I needed a couch out of my house, and if that couch was not out of my house, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do oh, anything. Yeah. So I managed to get this couch out of my house in the middle of the night, <laughs> like my pajamas. By yourself? No, I called my uh, I called <sighs> Mark. You helped me. With it. I was just thinking about like. How strong you I would did, be. Just a little like, two-seater on your back going down the stairs going, nah, I'm an independent woman. I got it all the way in the, into the hallway. It blocked the toilet. I was like, my housemate came down. I was like, ah, oh, sorry, mate, but this has got to go. I yeah, right. Get it out of my house. And has this been creeping up, do you think? Yeah, yeah. There's been little warning signs. You're like, it's probably nothing. Yeah, I was like, I'm just impatient. Boy. I just have, I'm just passionate. I just wash my hands a lot. I like to be clean. <laughs> Yeah. And so it just so that's fun. Well, I I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I do, but I have a to, I have a toilet thing as mm. I have discussed many times before. And when my anxiety was incredibly bad, it it sort of manifested itself in me compulsively going to the toilet and I would go mm. to the toilet and they would walk out and then I'd have to walk back in the toilet. Mm. And my, I would literally be saying out loud, "You're insane. There's nothing else to come out." And then my brain would go, "Yeah, but maybe just once more and you're like yeah, yeah probably just once more yeah. and so i would do that i i haven't been i haven't been like i've i've done i used to do it before gigs and i go once i nearly missed i heard myself being called while i was on the toilet and so i was That's running like doing up the zip going coming <laughs> um, but that hasn't that hasn't been bad for a long time i still have like ibs bouts but anyway that was yeah. a boring long no, way no, to no, no, say no. that i was talking to someone and I was telling them, and they went, oh, I've got that. I've got OCD. And I was like, hmm? 
Yeah. And but that's what I, my, my therapist was like, because I was telling her all these things. She was like, but how, oh, sorry, like how, for how long have you known that you have OCD? And I was like, I have, I have what? What? She's no, like, no, I, I don't have a couch. You're getting them confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the couch is evil. I'm mm. not sick. <laughs> the couch makes everything worse. It's not about my, <laughs> it's just about the couch. The jeopardy of the world rests on this couch. I'm not sure why you're being so flippant about this therapist. <laughs> Where were you when I had to have the yeah. couch? Yeah, so but um, so how do you use? Because I I'm agree, I agree with that. I don't I don't know if I believe it in the uni- universe sense that everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. like that. But it is maybe that's a way of attacking struggles. Like you go, oh, this now it has to have a purpose. Otherwise, yeah. whoa, <laughs> that's scary. Yeah, and I don't even mind that. You know, people that try and intellectualize it, they're like, yeah, but if everything happens in a reason, what? I'm like. Well, maybe it's not. Like maybe mm. this is an absolute fantasy and I'm mm. fully happy to accept that the universe is a fantasy. I'm happy that the reality is that everything is chaos, that there's no order, that it's random. I'm happy that that's the reality. Mm. I can't operate in that. So for me, I operate in a universe where somewhere between the universe and my instincts offer um, some kind of guidance in my life and that when I find that I'm well slept and well eaten and I meditate, I pray as well. I don't know what I pray to, but I just do the action of prayer. Um, uh, That that when I'm in those states, that seems to me when I'm either making the best choices for myself or I'm able to deal with the world as it on its terms. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing, another kind of, I don't know if it's a saying or what it is, but I don't remember where it come from, but that you oh what's the you only you only get the battles that you can win or like you only get the struggles that you can mm. cope with i've only heard the phrase god never gives you more than you can handle i think that's the one it's probably <laughs> i think that's the one i love basils though <laughs> battles oh battles i thought you said basils what's that the herb i was like i could win this basil Get the it smells nice. You only get the basils you can win. No mint, no oregano. I love how sweet you were about it. You were like, yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I am I am constantly staring at you in awe. The turns of phrase that you use and the the <laughs> apart from basils. Yeah. Um you know the Danish phrase, you only get as much basil as you can get. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I wish that was a Danish phrase. That would just make my heart was. melt. Um, but your capacity for for the English language is astonishing. It's astonishing. Like I, I think that you speak English better than I do. I mean, I'm Australian, so. <laughs> but like, there's some there's some things that you say. I'm like, when did you even think to look that word up, or where did you hear that and investigate it, and then and then adopt it as an adult? Because that's a curiosity that I had as a teenager. I was very curious about words and language, and I still am now, but I don't have the enthusiasm or vigor or give a shit that I did when I was a teenager. Like I had a voracious sort of thirst for knowledge when I was younger, and I still like to think that I do, but I don't. I'm really lazy. I'm like, oh, I wish I was still motivated. But do you think it's that's because you're actually not – like? How much of that is – I've had to let go of a lot of ideas about, like, what I am, like, who I am. Because yeah. I've had that, like, oh, I really want to read this. I want to be an expert on this. But then you go, if I really wanted it that much, I would have just done it. And there are things I'm genuinely passionate about, and I'm like, I, I, then I do it. Yeah. But how much of that do you think is just – I wish I was the kind of person who could speak ten languages. Or... Oh, yeah. I mean – 
But then you're just not that person. I'm just not that person. I just haven't done anything for a long time. Like I don't um, – I had this bit in my show last year and it was like the, I just want people to look at me and think that I'm a reader. <laughs> You know, like I want people to go, oh, I bet you she reads. Like I bet you bet you she's got like ten books beside a bed and she's going through them for a second time. I've got ten books beside my bed, but I haven't read any of them. The ten books beside my bed is my bed table. Yeah. <laughs> this has a dyed coke on it. <laughs> They're holding up a plank of wood. I don't know, are you so so that's where you've been. Like the the question about like your past year, that's like where you've been. But right now, are you just like breathing again for the first time in a long year? Or are you? Yeah, I had. It's God. It's so easy for me to get to get thrown off kilter. Like I was. I just had months and months of feeling so warm and lovely, and um, and just life was very good in every respect. And then last week I had three nights of insomnia yeah. and it's as if I have never felt happy before. You mm. know, like it, it just all goes down to zero. You know when you die on a, like on a video game and like all of, your, mm. all of the little extra things that you were collecting go and you're like, but, but, that's what it feels like. Mm. I, had, I slept well last night. Oh, God, that's such a fucking boring sentence I was about to start. <laughs> wow. I was about to give you my sleep diary for the last week. <laughs> Jeez. Thanks, Brain, for stopping that one. Anyway, needless to say, it's been up and down for the week. But it's been I've had a I've had a, a like the weekend was dark. I go very dark when I don't sleep well. A couple of yeah. nights in a row I'm starting like, do I actually want to live in this country? You know, like it goes real dramatic real quickly. Yeah. And it's just oh, it's often um I I often hungry. And that is why I think I have depression. I mean, I do, I have been diagnosed with depression, but sometimes I'm like underslept and I'm like, I just don't know if I can get through the day. And then I have a sandwich. I'm like, ah, well, let's fix that. (laughs) Genuinely, I would so, I would so love to think that I'm like this really complex woman and I've just, I probably like people just, I don't even think a therapist is going to be able to crack this nut. And I am so textbook, and in fact, I'm less than textbook. I'm infantile. <laughs> that if I'm underslept or underfed, I feel like I might not make it through the day emotionally. <laughs> like that's real. That fixes quite a lot of your problems oh. fairly easy, doesn't oh, it? I'm like, is this relationship even working? Have a banana. I love you so much. <laughs> Has it changed anything getting married? Does that change something in the dynamic of the relationship or in your head or is that? Um, it was really cool when we got married. Like it felt, <laughs> we really, it really felt like the teamwork was starting. But I felt like that when we got engaged. I don't know if that's really daggy, but, oh, daggy is an Australian word. Cool. It kind of means lame and corny at the same time. Okay. Um, Cringy? Yeah, no, it's more yeah. uh, uh, affectionate than cringy. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it, um, and weirdly, it comes from the word dag, which is um, bits of poo that stick on a sheep's bum when they, <laughs> on the on the wool. That is a dag. I don't know if it comes from that, but that is a dag. Anyway, um, side note. Um, you, you, I don't speak better English than you because I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, but Australian. I know has, that now. We have our, whew, we've got using our, that. 
There are some excellent. There are some excellent Australian words. They're my favourite one is which doesn't get used that commonly. But if um, like you know when you've got a uh, have you ever seen like a carrot that has two legs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so that makes everyone happy, doesn't it? It does. I love it. And that would be like a double bunger. Like if something's got two that usually has one, that's a double bunger. We, why did you also text me this once? Oh, yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I knew that. Yeah, I was no, still we were, that was like only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I told you about the double bunger and you thought you thought it was something different. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I dated that guy. Yeah, that's You're right. Like, really? No, no, no. You dated a, a guy with two legs? Oh, hang on. Um. When we got when we got engaged, it felt like um, uh, you know those montages in superhero movies where they decide they're like, okay, we're going to do this, and they go into the warehouse and they get changed in their uniform, and then they walk out in their uniform in slow motion. That's what it felt like when we got engaged. I'm like, yes, we are superheroes together, and then. Um, that was two and a half years ago, and <laughs> that wears off. And uh, but then the the yeah the marriage is good. And I was talking to talking to friends, and they they were at the wedding, and they were saying it's really cool being married because you just got to sort it out. You, whatever it is, you just got to sort it out. There isn't like a oh, well we gave it a shot, or you just you got to you just got to fix it. And so that's that was like a nice reassurance of going oh yeah we just whatever it is we just got to fix it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like with most of the world, it completely depends on my state of mind that if I'm happy that everything seems, uh, doable and wonderful and, and, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if anything is real outside of my head and my perception, even my relationship. <laughs> is like, he real? Do you have pictures? Like, yeah, no, you're... he's real. He's very real. <laughs> okay, just checking. Is he, he's great. Um, uh, but yeah, like the... The context of uh, the the state of any relationship that is in my life is completely dependent on how well I am traveling, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he the same? Does he have a? Or is he like just like the stable blog of whatever you need? Yes and no. He's like he's got his. He, he's you know we've all got stuff, mm. um, but he is incredibly good at being supportive. He's in, in and he's very good at being sensible when I'm in the fury of my emotions or in the in the depths of hopelessness in something because I can feel like again if I'm underslept and hungry it can feel like I can't tackle any problem or I find myself avoiding problems I said this in a show but I I'm saying this because my therapist said it to me and it blew my mind she said avoidance is the maintenance of every problem avoidance is the maintenance explain that every time you avoid a problem, you are maintaining that problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that was the noise that I made. Yeah. Oh. I was like, oh, oh, but I love avoiding. I'm so good at it. Netflix is fun. Yeah. So that was – so I'm very good at – I'm good at avoiding things if – it's, mm. If things are getting hard, like <laughs> this is such a stupid thing, but my husband is always on me about my YouTube channel. He's like, you got to fix your YouTube channel. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm too old. I don't want my face on there. I can do photos. I can do Instagram, but video is so real and interactive. People are so judgmental on YouTube. <laughs> He's six years younger than me, so he doesn't think that that's a good excuse. But I, And I have nothing on my YouTube channel. If anyone's, like, tuning in, there's nothing there. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm good at Instagram and I'm good at Twitter, 
well, I'm not. I mean, many people would argue. Um, but I. You're good at Instagram. You do. You started putting up videos of you dancing, which oh, is. Oh, I did one. Yeah. Amazing. You oh. did two, didn't you? Yeah, that was the same class though, and it's really weird because a year ago, I only started doing them a year ago. Like I danced when I was younger, but I was so deeply not ashamed but I was racked with nerves that anyone would see those videos Mm. I don't know what it was I think that there is a like a deep-seated teenage thing of people will think that I think I'm sexy and that's the worst that I don't know if that yeah I I was a real tomboy Mm. and I don't know if it's connected but mum always used to say you don't have to use your body and your looks to get boys interested in you and I'm like yeah I'm gonna use my brain I mean luckily I was a surfboard and it just developed very late it was never going to be a, a weapon um <laughs> like trying to catch a fish with a shoe um so but then as I got older the idea of being sexy was it was something like I dabbled with, but I didn't want people to think that I ever thought that I was sexy. It was like mm. a secret weird shame. And then as I got older and I sort of started to get a connection with my body, which didn't really happen until I was like 27 or 28, that's when I started going, oh, I love this vehicle. It's been great to me. And it's you can be, it can be, um, you know, a, a utility or it can be, uh, it can be sexy or it can be strong or it can be weak or it could be all of those things. And um, but, but dancing and having that on video because dancing is also about your face, it's not just about the moves that you do. Like if someone's doing dance moves but their face looks like they're doing accounting, <laughs> you, can, you spot that. You don't know that you're spotting it necessarily but you find yourself either disengaged with the performer and watching the person that is in the moment and like, like any kind of art. Like, this blows my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but you know when you're <laughs> watching. everything. Like you look at Beyonce's face when she's dancing. You watch her body but she's always like, I could fuck you right now. And you're like, yes, and I would let you. Like because she's so in it, she's so connected to her body and she's so connected to the vibe and the moment and the character in her head. And so the idea of someone watching me dance, not just in a sexy way, but like one of the moves was sliding our hands down our front, that, and I don't know what came over me that I stopped being nervous about and I was like, I'm going to put that on Instagram. Um, And then I had to figure out how to get videos where you could cover other people's faces Mm. with ice creams and sunshine (laughs) so that they wouldn't be embarrassed. Were you, when you were like not wanting people to think that you thought you were sexy, was that also in sexy situations? Mm. Because when you said that, I thought, oh, my God, that explains a lot in my life. Like when I've had sex and I've been like cracking jokes. Mm. Hey, mate, this is fun, isn't it? Yeah. And he's like trying to be bam, 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 yeah. bam. Like, no, this is ah, you're doing that thing with your face, and that explains so much. In <laughs> this session is fifty dollars. Um, uh, no, I think I was okay, but again, the idea that anyone would see that—I mean, that would always be terrifying. Oh yeah, I mean, not se- not even sex though, like flirting. Like uh, if someone went, you know, you flirting with each other I'm like no not flirting no I don't actually even know what you I've just got to dive off this building um (laughs) like I didn't want to be caught doing it 
I don't know if that made not yeah. doing it, but <laughs> well, like that's a- I also didn't want to be caught doing it. <laughs> what was the? Well, you said you probably didn't know, but like, was there? A, what was the turning point? Because just the way you say it is like you I say left it, my so- first fiance. Okay, go on. <laughs> I met him when I was eighteen, and he was eight years older than me. And so everything that you are supposed to learn between like eighteen and twenty-five, mm-hmm. that you learn by going out with your girlfriends, being rejected in bars. Um, having multiple sexual partners to figure out uh, maybe I do like that, maybe I don't like that, and thanks for that tip, and don't ever touch me again. And <laughs> like all of those things that you're supposed to learn, mm. I was with one person, and so I learned all my lessons from him, which were not bad lessons, mm. but they were just one lesson. Mm. And so these ideas that I had about shame and my body and sexuality. Uh, I was sort of locked in at 18 and we were together for eight years and then I left him when I was 26 or 27 and then, like, did all of these things for the first time, Um, went, like, lived in a share house for the first time. I'd never lived in a share house, never had flatmates um, uh, and learnt about rosters and learnt about being financially independent and solely responsible for my own finances and I was much better in a couple than I was by myself. Oh, mate, I bled money. (laughs) <laughs> and I owed the tax department a lot of money after two years. Um, I paid it back, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, so I just I think that coming, like being single for the first time since I was 18, I was a, it was a little bit arrested development and so I had to learn all of those things at age mm. 26, 27 and I stopped drinking so I had to learn them all sober, mm. which is a harrowing experience. Um, uh, so, I, yeah, I suppose that I was... This really passionate, um, enthusiastic, artistic, uh, uh, curious person and that had sort of like settled into domestic life for eight years and then when I became single again, and again, not saying that he had any, that was the choice that I made when I was with him, but when I left him, all of a sudden like all the options were Mm. available again. I'm like, what if I travel by myself? What if I have a one-night stand? I've never had a one-night stand because he was the only person I'd ever slept with as well. So it was just like almost too much possibility and I'm almost glad that I didn't have to make those choices when I was 18 because okay. the choices were so big as a 26-year-old or a 27-year-old. I'm like, wait, so I can choose who I have sex with but they might not want to have sex with me and I could just meet them anywhere, like at any time. <laughs> oh, God, okay. <laughs> How are you dealing with the whole situation at the moment with all of this like predators being caught out and stuff i have this theory that it's something that unites people in a whole other way than we've ever been united before i the only thing i'm shocked about is that there have been consequences Mm. that's the shocking thing to me Mm -hmm. it was not a shock for many of the people that have been um outed Mm. uh then some of them i have heard rumors myself um but I, um, but you know, gossip is just gossip as well. Uh, but when they came out, I sort of went, "Oh yeah." It was when people started to lose jobs that I'm like, "Oh my god, is it happening? It's happening! <laughs> it's that quick! Well, let's all hold hands!" <laughs> like it felt. And and the Me Too thing, I know that was really that was really triggering for a lot of people. And then a lot mm. of people found a lot of strength. A lot of people thought that Facebook is not the appropriate place to. But then it, is the police the place if there's only three mm. percent rape convictions or four percent? I don't know what that is. Um, 
uh, please correct me if I'm so far wrong there with convictions, by the way. I'm very happy to be... I was going to say 0. 0.5 or something. I think it's, yeah. it's down in that area. And I think that, like, false rape claims are between 2 and 4%. Like, that's... Anyway. Yeah, um, yeah I... Uh, so have you kind of been distancing yourself from it emotionally or have you been... I don't know if... I don't think that I've been distancing distancing myself in that when the Me Too thing came out, I I don't know if I'm just dead inside about it. Like yeah. I, it's just such, as I said, I'm like I'm 37, so you have these, you know, you just get paper cuts your whole life mm. that it sort of builds up and sometimes I'm really angry when I think about it. Um, I'm angry at, I mean it's, Horrific. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trivialising the experience of mm. anyone that's that's had this done to them and at them, um, or about them, or you know any mm. of that. But it just doesn't surprise me, I suppose, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, because I think that's a lot of the reactions I've gotten from men. I've been like, oh my god, can you believe? Like, yeah, no, I can believe it. Like, this yeah. is, we were just. This is just like our. This is how we live. Like, this is our. <laughs> this yeah. is our whole lives. And I don't think that. It's a really tricky one because on the one hand where, you know, you say, well, yeah, this happens all the time and then they're like, but it's so awful and you don't, you don't, it's like, yeah, we've been saying it's awful for so long but people just don't listen mm. and I've just got used to people not listening. I don't know. It's, it's I, don't, I don't know. I mean there's, the, there's very tricky territory where people are, there are consequences <coughs> without, convictions mm. as well and that yeah. brings up something a very very difficult um it's, it's difficult because you're in the light of it feels like something like a big rock has been moved away and finally all this light has been shone, shone on these horrific acts and we're actually seeing people for what they are and what they have done and what they've continued to do or stopped and f and have not had any consequences for the years or decades or mm. Or even one day that they change someone else's life, you know, mm. that's the thing is the person that's experiencing it never gets to remove that memory. That's mm. happened and that will affect mm. possibly, quite possibly, that will affect them for the rest of their mm. lives or for a short period of time. Um, but then you've got this legal system that hasn't protected them and yet there is a legal system there that I don't know if that's being jumped over. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's true. It's, you, did I ask you this? Well, I kind of. I don't think I asked this question yet. When when you did it, this podcast the last time, I always ask this question. I always uh, phrase it weirdly, but um, so imagine we're in like a situation where there's like we're talking like lame is revolution, right? So there's like a, a baddie. Are they singing? Is there singing? There's no. Well, that's up to you. Okay. I mean, you can sing if you want. That's probably singing. <laughs> there's like an evil dictator, like a right wing evil dictator. There's a civil war. People are being killed, right? In that situation, you can kind of choose between three situations. You can either join the bad guy, like mm. join the and he's very right wing, very evil, and then there's uh, like you could stay neutral, or you could join the resistance, which has a really good infrastructure. <laughs> which one? <laughs> it's, I just like that it's which not one? loaded the way you've presented it. <laughs> um. and I've had a few people who who start be like, "Oh, I don't really know," and then I've had to say, "No, no, don't worry. Like, there's an infrastructure," and they're like, "Oh, okay." So I've had to like add that in. Yeah, I, like my the, my fantasy self would be neutral. My fantasy self would be um, able to be part of a bridge 
I am not that person. I have a, an, um, an emotional fire in my stomach. I am a rebel without a cause, so I would <laughs> always be the lefty resistance. I even love the word resistance. I'm like, I, I don't know what we're fighting for, but well, can I join? <laughs> but wait, you and were... then I start reading when we're on the bus. I'm like, oh, God, I should have read about this before <laughs> I got on. I was so – that was such a weird – why is it that way? Because usually people will say – uh, oh, in my fantasy world, I would fight, but in real life, I'd probably just stay neutral. You were like the other way around. Yeah. I was really sh- I was like, is she going to say she's going to join she the bad side? Is she going to Oh, before. my God. Um, yeah, I, well, I think what happens is that when I find myself, uh, and this is sort of back to what I was talking about before, when I, when I, when I am underslept, when I'm underfed, when I am spending too much time on social media and the internet, my opinions get very fucking strong and I have a lot to say and there's no save draft button and there's no uh, walk away and see if you still want to post this in a second. It's like now, return, send, enter, yes. And I very rarely feel good after. You know, did you see that, that Uma Thurman clip? Oh, yeah, that was so good. That's exactly how I feel. When I'm angry, yeah. it's not always wise for me to talk at the time. But the thing is I can get very angry very easily and very often. So sometimes it's a, it's not um, pragmatic or realistic to be able to – but I would love to be able to um, – I would love to be uh, smart enough to figure out how to bridge a revolution, a lefty resistance and – uh, a dictatorship and figure out if there is a common ground, not necessarily that we're compromising, but if there's a way of um, uh, de-energizing the situation, de-escalating. Is the I feel word. like you would be the like you would be like oh, a weapon, like right, we're about to attack them. Make sure Felicity doesn't eat or sleep. Yeah, and then we'll just unleash her, mate. I'm like a, you know, those super orcs that they built in Lord of the Rings that they like fested underground and they like built out of mold and I don't know. That's who I am when I'm not, I'm I'm very angry. Yeah. Do do you see yourself as a, because we're in the shits now, you can say, like the world is kind of a weird place, like falling apart in some Mm. ways. Do you see yourself as part of the, I guess resistance or whatever we have now, like fighting. Because I, I would say, don't delete the tweets. Like always tweet, always be angry immediately. Yeah. I just, I, you know, what I just find is that there is often, like on social media, for example, this is one example. Uh, Boris Johnson tweeted about Burma, and it's been called Myanmar since the late '80s. Um, and I wrote, the Foreign Secretary has just called. Uh, Myanmar, Burma, which got changed in the late 80s, I think. I wonder what Siam thinks about that. And <laughs> it's a stupid, stupid joke, but someone corrected me and said it was the um, militia mm. that forced the name change, so lots of people, for political reasons, still call it Burma. And I didn't know that. And every time I'm like, huh, here's a, a pithy little bit of satire, I'll just put my two cents in. There's always someone going, actually, here is a reasonable, you know, here is some reason. I'm like, ow. So I've, I often have to just, so if, and if you look at my Twitter stream, it does not look like I have thought about it. What you're looking at is that's restraint. That's the restrained version of me because I, get upset very easily. I'm very sensitive. 
I don't like being caught out. My greatest fear is that people think that I'm dumb. So that stops me from saying everything except when I'm exhausted, hungry, run down, lonely, angry, <sighs> taking myself too seriously. Then I'm like, all thoughts. Everyone gets all thoughts. <laughs> And then I have like an emotional hangover where I regret what I've said. I regret the tone that I've taken with someone. I haven't thought that that other person is a stranger on the internet with eight followers and is trying to be tough and they might have mental health issues. And and not that you can think about that, oh, fuck, listen to this. This is what goes on in my head all of the time. That I'm constantly thinking of everything has a footnote. Yeah, yeah. Everything. It's just yeah. a never-ending stream of footnotes. So... I just need to be uh, I, uh, sometimes my self-awareness is crippling and then sometimes it is helpful. Mm. I did it with uh, Piers Morgan. I got off the plane and he'd retweeted mm. me and said, peak, peak stupid femi- feminist, uh, peak feminist stupidity or something. Mm. I immediately replied and wrote, says the human potato. Mm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then a lot of people were like, actually, that's a derogatory term for some of stuff. Like, there's like a history behind potato. potato. Yeah, not sure what, it, but I was like, oh no. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I also didn't delete it. I was like, yeah, but. I, I mean, it's a vegetable, though. It is a genuine <laughs> vegetable also, that exists. And that was the one I meant. And he looks. Exactly. Well, like, also, you shouldn't. The looks thing. Again, footnote, footnote, footnote. But. It just felt really good tweeting that at that very moment. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just like, it's, I'm, I, I didn't refer to his looks. I meant, in my head, I meant like the consistency of his brain. It's like <laughs> potato. Ah, <laughs> delicious. Just Is that what you meant? <laughs> yeah. Oh, did he, did you not get I was flirting with him? Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> I want to deep fry your brain. Mm. <laughs> I should have done that. Yeah. So you feel like you're interested. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> nagging me. Yeah. <laughs> So I always ask, uh, well, I did, well, I don't know if I asked this the last time you were on it. Um, maybe I didn't. So anyway, I'm going to ask you again because it may have changed if I've asked you before. So this is a question I always ask at the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, so you're in the delivery room, mm-hmm. right? And you have just been born and you get to hold yourself as a teeny tiny baby, right? So little Felicity Ward is in your arms. She's crying because she's scared because there's lights and sounds everywhere. She's just been in the womb. Everything's very scary. And you know that for the next 37 years of her life, mm. you know how they're going to look. You know there's going to be lights and sounds. It's going to feel very scary, but it won't be lights and sounds. It'll be something else. So you know what? You can't change anything. No matter what you say to her, you can't change anything. But maybe you could say something that might make her stop crying or something that would prepare her for some way in some ways for the future what would you say it's a teeny tiny baby felicity ward god they're so emotional like even the concept just makes me feel teary um what i mean what do you say to a baby (laughs) it's it's i mean it's it's gonna be bad the life is pretty bad (laughs) we do terrible things to the world um what would I say? I mean, I would like to say, and I hope that I have done this anyway, of just protecting your magic, trying to protect your magic, because everyone's got like a little bit of magic in them, whether it's big or small. And then I have this like visual image of you've just got to like build your magic sand grain by sand grain, if that makes sense. So like things that you do well or things that you're good at or secrets, you know, things that you like about yourself. You just got to build your magic. Do you still need to be told that? 
Oh, yeah, all the time. Like when I feel rejected and when I feel bad at my job and, um, I mean, sometimes I'm, I look at it like a sandcastle. I'm like, well, my foot's going through that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think anyone with low self-esteem needs to be reminded of that and the basis of a lot of, you know, well, you know, anxiety and depression. There's a lot of low self-esteem there. And the thing, the thing about it is, is that I'm trying to say this out loud so that it's on record so then I can't take it back. Um, there is, when I was younger, I didn't, I was re- pretty weird, right? But I thought that I was very interesting so when people wouldn't want to be friends with me, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to be friends with me? <laughs> like I got a lot going on and I was very deeply, deeply unusual. And as I got older, there was always like that got smaller and smaller, that confidence. But if I'm honest, there's still a bit of that in me where I'm like, mate, I'm heaps of fun. I do voices. <laughs> I like to laugh. I play guitar. Uh, I uh, do stand-up comedy. That's interesting. I can dance. I DJ sometimes. Uh, I like writing. Um, uh, I, I will be very interested in you if we have a conversation. I'm pretty good at, at finding stuff out about people, not in a creepy way. <laughs> <laughs> and this is true. I actually talked about this with Deb, Deb Francis-White, and, I, like, people were talking about, like, oh, they'd be embarrassed to try things because they think that they're going to be bad at it. And if I'm perfectly honest with myself, there's a bit of me that thinks every time I try something new, my brain goes, what if you're incredible? (laughs) Every time I'm like, what if you are just like incredible at temping bowling? Like, I mean, it turns out I'm not. um, I'm so hit and miss. But like, I, I, sometimes I won't try something because I don't want to find out that I'm not incredible at it. Because it's, I'm probably not incredible at it. But there is, you know, like there's a bit of me that's like, what if I'm a genius at everything? <laughs> like there's, that's literally, that is genuinely what I think. What if I'm a genius? And I'm just, there's, <laughs> there are so few things that I'm a genius at. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had more water. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Where can uh, where can people find you? What do you want to plug? Oh, um, I uh, it only happened a couple of weeks ago, but on in Netflix in uh, uh, the UK and in Ireland. Um, there's oh yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, we're both on. Yes, um, there's a series called Life from the BBC, and we both have a special on that. It's mm-hmm. I was very excited. Mm, about it's that. very exciting. It's so exciting. Um, and then I have like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook have all of um, my details for stuff. Uh, oh, my website is felicityward.com. Hey, I can tell you, uh, yes, sorry, um, the the fundraiser, we're doing a fundraiser um, on the oh, 22nd yeah. of January. Yes. It's at the Comedy Store in London. It's £16 and the people that are on that I can remember off the top of my head, it's I'm organising it's for an organisation called Together in Barnet. They house, uh, they, 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 house people in churches the cold months from October to April um, and they provide bed and breakfast, um, sleeping gear and dinner. Um, and they basically churches in North London, just to give you a background. Um, and the people that are on, uh, it's you, me, Fern Brady, Dane Baptiste, Twana Main, Joe Lysette, Sarah Pascoe, Kerry Godleyman, and I feel like I'm missing someone. Oh, and Adam Hills. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty, it's it's a 16 pounds. Yeah. So um, please come along to that. It's selling pretty well. 
Um, I haven't got the latest tickets, but um, please come to that because I would love to give them lots of money and everyone's doing it for free. And What? No. <laughs> it's all right. We can, you can sub out the therapy session cost. <laughs> Yeah, it goes with that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But apart from that, I'm not. I'm actually not gigging that much because I'm doing writing stuff, and there will be there will be some revelations later in the year that I'm allowed to talk about. Can't wait. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks give it up for Felicity Ward. And give it up for Sophie Hagen. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Felicity is incredible. And um, do make sure you go and see the gig that we're we're doing in January. There should be details on some kind of website. Uh, so uh, just in the spirit of things, uh, thank you so much for listening and being an awesome group of people. It's even these live episodes, just seeing people afterwards. And we did a, an amazing thing after a live episode recently where... We'd finished, it'll be come out very soon, but we'd finished the whole thing and then we just did a little Q&A. We just did a, you know, any questions and then, I don't know, because these are tiny shows. There's only 30, 30 people in the room. So people started sharing and we were all having like a lovely chat about the things that we'd talked about on the podcast and it, people were just great. People were so wonderful and it meant so much. And um, yeah, so, so it means a lot. It means a lot to me that you guys are amazing and it means so much to me that my comedian colleagues, that's what they say. They're like, oh, have you ever gigged to Sophie Hagen's audience because they're incredible? And that is, I mean, that's the best gift. Uh, and then you support the podcast as well. Uh, Patreon.com. I recently found a list of uh, reasons why people stop being a Patreon, of a patron. Uh, so people had to like type in why they left. <laughs> Most of them were like, Oh, I don't agree with her politics anymore now that she's become a man-hating feminist. Uh, or someone said that it was uh, offensive to them hearing all these people, uh, like not hearing the voice of people, hearing the voice of people who weren't white straight men, basically. Uh, so, I mean, by all means, I do not need those people because I got you people. So I want to say thank you to the people who are still uh, supporting me on Patreon, all of you, but in particular, the people who give more than five uh, $5 per episode, because you are... Uh, friends of the podcast is what your official title it is and now I'm going to butcher your names in the spirit of Christmas so a big Merry Christmas and a huge thank you to these absolute legends Kathy Draxelbauer who by the way won a little prize at the last live uh, Mopad recording Kathy Draxelbauer Robert Knowles Eve Wingrith, uh Marnie Biles Phil Vapolis who also won the prize but decided to give it to Kathy hello oh and I said it wrong fabulous Vabulous, Phil Vabulous, Rachel Furley, who has the dog, uh, Zoe Cumberland, <laughs> Lisa Donahue, George Pearson, Marbles Lost, Ewan Wilkie, oh, that's a new one, Ewan Wilkie, Josie, Lily, Rob Crossland, new one, Harry Minow, Sissel Fjeltun, Rachel Hemsley, so super awesome.com. We need to talk about this, <laughs> this one. Mari Fraser, Lucy, Aileen Olofsson, Aria Jane, Susie Tyler, Rachel Craftman, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Steph Ream, Ruth Harvey, Bethany Dahlstrom, Kathy, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappa, James Frew, Karen Threthaway, Russell Hughes, Ida Sugo Larsen, Inga Ellingson, Caleb Melchior, who, who just put Caleb M because he knows I can't pronounce it, Dr. Boda Cycle Returns, Merry Christmas Sack, uh, Jessica Stuhlfire, Emma Chan, Kathy Biveridge, uh, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, uh, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Grace Suter, Kat Piller, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Ike Seth, and Daniel Reifershed. 
Uh, just a quick little thing. I usually recall a few of these at a time. So um, if you don't hear your name, that's because I haven't updated it yet. So I will, like the next time I recall these, next day I start recording these, uh, your name will be on the list. So it's not like I'm not ignoring you. It's just that's the way it works. If you hear a thing, it might be recorded weeks before you started donating. So, uh, but this one is very much uh, recorded Monday. So uh, this will come out on Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, so, yeah, this is very n now. This is happening right now. <laughs> but sometimes I need to plan. Uh, this is not planned, as you can probably hear. It's a bit of a messy one. But, um, yeah, I think I needed to say the things that I said. And I hope that uh, I hope it wasn't all weird. And I hope you liked the episode and all of that. Uh, so thank you. Again. Just like, thank you so much. There's one more episode before the end of the year, I believe. And um and then and then it'll be 2018 and we'll be fine like we'll we'll get through it won't we oh god tell me we'll get through it we will so um <laughs> thank you so much for listening thank you to sarah gary for producing this episode bailey leonard for writing and recording the jingle to linda brinkhouse for the logo and to the phoenix artist club and peter dunbar for letting me record episodes there and an extra thank you to peter dunbar because he's taking me to hamilton the musical tonight so um we'll be fine we'll all be fine and i will definitely speak to you next week okay bye